0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday, March the 9th, 2022. It is currently 5.50 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And I, I don't have a lot of time, and the reason why is it's 5.50 p.m., so sometime before 7 p.m., okay, 27 seconds, yes, someone's talking about the notifications. Yes, that notification went went fast. That's really good. I, I like when the notifications go out quick. But welcome anyone who's tuning in. Welcome to the live broadcast. But I don't have a lot of time because it is fast-approaching. Uh, 6 p.m., and sometime before 7 p.m., people will be walking through the front door for our Wednesday evening service. So we've got to do what we need to do. I I, I wanted to do, there was a couple of, of audio things I wanted to review, but the the audio reviews always take... I mean, at a minimum, an hour, usually they can go an hour and 30 minutes. So I didn't want to do that. So I kept sitting here. What, what, do, we, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I've got, I've got stuff scattered everywhere going, okay, I could cover this. I could do this. We need to talk about this. I need to finish this. I need to do that. And then I thought, you know what? I know what we need to talk about. I know what we need to talk about. I don't know if it's just me. But I'm assuming there are a lot of people who are currently listening and who will hear this at some point over the next week or so on all of the different podcasting platforms where this shows up. I think there are a lot of people right now looking at what's going on in the world and you're starting to feel like, man, the world is falling apart. Everything is crumbling. Everything is burning. What what is going to go wrong Next, And it's really felt that way for the last few years. It just seems like, okay, next year is going to be better. And we get to next year and you're like, okay, no, next year is going to be better. And it, no matter what the calendar says, just things seem to be spiraling out of control. The situation with Russia, Ukraine, fuel prices, food prices, supply uh, supply chain issues. It's just, there is just one problem after another. No one has any good solutions. We know we're fast approaching to the midterm elections where everything's going to get chaotic and crazy. And it's just going to show how divided the country is. It just seems like everything is a mess right now. Now I could pull up and, and look at all of the different headlines about what's going on in Ukraine. It is just tragic, horrible reports one after the other I've been spending ever since the situation, since Russia invaded uh, Ukraine, I've been spending most of my nights, you just sitting there following all of the reports Uh, Overnight, I'm either listening to BBC or some other news service just sitting there listening to hour after hour of reports from Ukraine and what's going on and what's going on. And it's just it's sad. It's depressing. It's horrible. It's horrifying. But Christianity has a long history of doing something when everything seems to be going wrong, when everything when everything in the world seems to be falling apart, when there is tragedy, disaster, war just when everything seems to be going crazy, Christians find microphones, they find TV cameras, and they find publishing companies to start telling everyone, this is it. Jesus is about to come back. These are the signs. It's getting ready to happen. You better be ready. Jesus is about to return. The Antichrist is about to be revealed. The rapture is going to occur. It's all going to happen. You've got 15 minutes. All right, okay, maybe it's a little bit of hyperbole, but not too much. When I was when I when I became a Christian in the 1980s. What did I hear? What did I hear? What did I hear? Okay, I'm a teenager. 1980s, and what am I hearing? Oh, second coming's getting close because we have to, Russia and the United States is gonna be a nuclear war and that this is going to happen and it's gonna fulfill biblical prophecy. And okay, I heard that it was, it was about to happen. It was about to happen. It was about to happen. And I, I was like, oh man, okay. I don't know, I don't really know much about Bible or theology, but okay, okay, you're right. There's, Clearly, in the 1980s, as a teenager, you were constantly worried that, you know, a nuclear war was going to happen because we heard about it. We talked about it in school. There were, you know, primetime movies that came out that we would talk about in school. And yeah, Russia is going to attack us and we're all going to die in a, in a horrible nuclear holocaust. OK, and so, OK, well, that means Jesus is about to return. All right. Well, obviously, that didn't happen. And then in the 1990s, when, when uh, Desert Storm took place and uh, uh, you had Saddam Hussein, Iraq. Well, we were going to go in because he invaded kuwait and all of the different things that took place at, at that particular case i remember going to christian bookstores and there were books all over the place about how this was going to bring in the antichrist and this is the 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 resurrection of the babylonian uh, empire and that, and that all these things were going to it was books everywhere this is it this is it the second coming this, and no, 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 nothing happened. I mean, we, I can go on and 9 11, every time you turn around, I, it's books get published. Div- back then it was you know either you know uh, uh, especially in the 90s dvd uh you know dvd sets were being sold it was like jesus is going to return jesus is going to return the antichrist is going to be revealed when o- when obama got elected it was like he's the antichrist and and, w- and they're injecting us with flu vaccines with the uh, with the mark of the beast and it was crazy cr- and, uh, and well uh, here we are here we no matter what happens Christians start claiming all of these things and that this is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. This is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And it's about to happen. And over and over and over and over again, the books are sold. Someone makes money. And then those books end up where? I don't know. Do you throw them away? Do you sell them to some used bookstore? What do you do with them? What do you do? Because nothing happens. Everything just continues just as it was, right? Oh, there's still pain and suffering and death and war and famine and disaster and plague all around the world. It's a constant thing. I mean, just look in human history. Just look in the entire history of of the human race. How many wars have there been? I mean, try to count them out. How many wars have there been on earth since the beginning of humankind? How many disasters and earthquakes and floods and plagues and famine? Just consider everything that's taken place in the entire history of the human race. But when when another one happens, when another war, when another disaster, when another upheaval, when another economic crisis, it's Christians... And it's just crazy. Christians start running and they typically start selling their merchandise. You know, oh, buy my book, buy my DVD so you'll know what to do. So you'll be prepared. Buy, buy, buy. It's always got to sell something. We got to sell something. And so they sell their merchandise. They sell their, their supposed great biblical insight. And then nothing happens. It's been going on, it seems like, forever. And when you go back into church history, it's happened time and time again. Well, guess what? 2022, things are going crazy. Things seem to be falling apart. The world appears to be on fire. And guess what we have again? We have Christians telling us that this is the sign of Jesus' soon return. This is a sign of Jesus' soon return. I would have to ask, so this war is a sign of Jesus' soon return? How about all of the other wars? The war with Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, the war on terror. The, I mean, like, let's let's go, the Syrian civil war. Let's just go on. How many wars? How many wars? How many wars? But but this one, this, now this is the one. This is going to be the war. This is a sign that Jesus is going to return. I I mean, I, World War I, World War II, the Revolutionary War, Civil War, I mean, the, the French-Indian War. I mean, like, I mean, how many wars do we need to go to right i mean like how many wars have there been but but this is it this is it this is it now this headline bothers me greatly it bothers me greatly because of the way they label Christians. This is just something common within Christianity. It's nothing new. So I'm bothered by the way the world understands it. And at the same time, I'm bothered by the actions of Christians. I'm bothered about everything in this news article that I'm about to share with you. Here, this was published. When was this published? March, March the 6th, 2022. um, And it was updated on March the 8th. Okay, so they um they they posted it then they updated it this comes to us from the uk. all right and i don't know a lot about the, the 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 news organization is it more like a, i i don't know i don't know how credible it is but here's the story all right now uh, i again i do not i despise this headline so much here's the headline radical christians reckon Ukraine war is sign of Jesus' return and the end of times. Now, I do not like the fact that they're labeling anyone who believes that a radical Christian. That's not radical Christianity. That's pretty common standard Christianity that anytime something bad happens, it's the end. Jesus is going to return. So I I don't like that labeling of radical Christians. I, I think that's crazy, and especially considering what they say in the very next line, all right? So radical Christians reckon Ukraine war is a sign of Jesus' return in the end of times. And then right underneath that, Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in California claims that the Russian-Ukraine war and coronavirus have prophetic significance for the return of Jesus. And let me stop right here. Pastor Greg Laurie would be the farthest thing <laughs> you could find as someone who would be a radical Christian, okay? There's nothing radical. He's just your average mainstream evangelical, a part of really Calvary Chapel. I mean, there's nothing radical about it. So I I can't stand the headline. I cannot stand the headline. That's just, that bothers me that that anyone who believes in basically Jesus is going to return now is being labeled radical. that's That's kind of a, that's a disturbing sign from that perspective. But I don't expect the world to get anything right. I don't expect the world to understand Bible, theology. So for them, everything we believe as Christians is radical. I understand that. Okay, so I guess from that perspective, I'm not surprised, but it just makes you worry that, oh, those people over there are radical. They're, you know, almost as like we could be dangerous. So that bothers me a little bit. I'm not surprised because I don't expect the world to get things right, but it is a little bothering the way they're labeling it, okay? Would Would they label... Muslims the same way? Would they label people of other faiths the same way? So that's a a little bothering, uh, disturbing to me, a little, uh, bothers me some. But for this, for the purpose of this episode, which I don't have a lot of time, I just want to turn once again to what's going on in the world of Christianity and why we continue to fall for the same thing every single time. So let's see what what they say. There's not much to this article. But there's, I've seen a number of the, these articles just keep popping up. So I'm like, okay, I've got, I've got some time. Let's at least address this. We're really going to be talking about this, just so that you know. Um, what, five weeks from now or four weeks from now? I can't remember. I'd have to look at our Bible study exercise curriculum. For our Bible study exercise, we're going to be dedicating about six weeks to a passage of scripture that is constantly used by Christians Whenever something goes wrong in the world, they're like, "See, the Bible says right here, Jesus is on his way." And you're like, uh, "Could we actually study that passage?" So we're going to uh, we're going to really spend about six weeks working on it. So I'm going to give a, a little bit away here. You probably already know where I'm going, but let's look at this. All right. So radical Christians again. They go back. They use so they use the term radical Christians in the headline, and then right here as the article begins. Radical Christians believe humanity is in the end of times as the outbreak of war in Ukraine has prophetic significance. Now, clearly, I don't know much about the Daily Star, but just as the way this is written, this this, this has got, yeah, this is like the National Enquirer. That's what this feels like to me. This, this, this is what this feels like. This is just seems like bad everything, but okay. On the internet, does it matter if it's the National Enquirer or if it's – it doesn't matter what it is because you just, you just see articles and click on them. The source of the articles don't even really matter to most people. They just click and read and, and do whatever they're going to, to do with them. But that's a whole different subject. All right, so here we go. So they're concerned. I'm not saying they're concerned, but they're pointing out that they think radical Christians are running around right now saying, hey, the outbreak of the Ukraine war has prophetic significance. And let me tell you, there are a lot of Christians who are saying that. Evangelical pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in California claims the Bible predicts the coming of war and plagues when when Jesus is meant to return to the earth, which he claims is related to the current conflict and the coronavirus pandemic. And a bizarre social media video following Russia's invasion, invasion of Ukraine, Laurie said, is there any prophetic significance to what is happening in Ukraine right now? The answer is yes. I believe that Christ could come back at any moment. These are the signs of the times the Bible tells us to be looking for. Jesus likened it to labor pains and a woman who's ready to give birth. The idea being the closer they get together, the closer you are to the birth. Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of war. War on a scale that we have not seen in a long time. If the coronavirus is not a plague, I don't know what it is. It's a global plague. He also claimed the Antichrist will come in the form of a world leader that finally shows their true colors. The Bible warns of a world leader that will come and dominate uh, and deceive people, but ultimately reveal his true colors, and he's called the Antichrist, he added. I believe a lot of the government overreach, imposing themselves on the people, is a sign of what is going to come later when the Antichrist emerges on the scene. The pastor's ideas come from a piece of scripture from Matthew 24, in which Jesus describes the signs to watch for his return, which describes a series of odd and extreme events. The passage reads, you will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end still is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over and be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow code, but but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then that's the end. And then they have a lot of, there's some comments here, which people, well, kind of, there's a little, a, mo- a mocking tone, it appears to some of those comments. I'm not going to go read them all, but there you have it. Matthew 24, it, that's the passage everyone runs to. Matthew 24, I've heard Matthew 24 quoted to me and my Christian life, even before I was a Christian, I think I've heard Matthew 24 quoted anytime. I mean, someone throws a rock and it's like, that's it, Matthew 24. A dog barks at the wrong hour. Matthew 24, the wind blows the wrong way. Matthew 24, it gets too cold. Matthew 24, it gets, Matthew 24, Matthew 24, Matthew 24. Matthew Everything is supposedly a fulfillment of Matthew 24. Matthew 24 has been fulfilled more, more, more times than any Bible passage in the entire history of the Bible. Everything's supposedly fulfilled. Matthew 24 is fulfilled every time you turn around. At this point, it's been fulfilled so much, I don't even know what we're waiting for. Everything's been fulfilled. So I, I, it gets a little maddening. So just briefly. And we're going to be studying Matthew 24. That's the passage we will be studying in about five weeks when we finish our current Bible study exercise, going through some passages in the Gospel of John. Then we'll switch over to Matthew 24. And, And at that point, it's going to get very controversial and everyone's going to get upset because everyone thinks that their view of Matthew 24 is absolutely right and everybody else's view is completely wrong. Uh, my argument is hey, just, let's just let the text speak. Like, I don't need you to tell me, well, I listened to this preacher. I, 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 congratulations. It's about what the text says. All right. So here we go. Matthew 24. All right. Matthew 24. Let's just read it. All right. Just, just basic reading, comprehension, comprehension. It, there's nothing complicated about this. It's, it's pretty straightforward, okay? And when I say there's nothing complicated, there's nothing complicated, at, uh, let me state it this way. There's nothing complicated and about what we read here at the beginning. In other words, you don't read it and go, I don't really understand what he's saying here. It's pretty straightforward. Now, once you get deeper into Matthew 24, it gets a little complicated. There's no question. But at the beginning, it, this, put it this way, the setting is very straightforward. The chapter itself does contain much to be debated, discussed, and maybe get confused by. But the initial description here is straightforward and plain. And it seems like everyone forgets the beginning of the chapter, but let's go to it. All right, Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. And the first problem here's the first problem. Here's the first problem. I cannot speak for your Bible. Uh, Do I have another Bible here? At least in this Bible. Now, I've got a Bible here that basically has no notes, no really anything, but they do sometimes put chapter headings. Now, remember the chapter headings are not inspired. They're not from God. They're put in there by whoever publishes the Bible. And Matthew 24 in the Bible that I'm currently holding, it says, signs of the end. Now, here's the problem with that. When someone reads that, now they've been given a almost, they've been given a way of looking at the text. It's already poisoning their way of reading the text. They read the text like, oh, this chapter is going to give me the signs of the end. So they'll say the signs of the end of the world. See, Matthew 24 is going to give me the signs of the end of the world. That's not inspired scripture. Someone just inserted that. So ignore that. Look at the text. Don't look at what people put there. Don't. That's why I hate study Bibles. That's why I hate. I hate even Bibles with with chapter headings. I really want a Bible that has nothing in it other than the text. Everything else I want as far away from me as possible. Then I can have those Bibles that have all of those additional things to look at after I've studied the text myself. But this poison you poisons you. It gives you a presupposition, so you now presuppose that Matthew twenty four is about the signs of the end of the world because that's exactly what people are going to think when they see that. But that's not scripture. So what what exactly is going on in Matthew 24? Let's just read it. It's very, again, this part right here is very straightforward. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Stop right here. So Matthew 24. I know I'm going to break this down and I hate, I'm not talking, I'm not trying to be condescending or talk to you like you're a child, but I've got to say this in almost a very like, Almost like I am talking down to you so that you get this in your head so that you're not misled and tossed to and fro with every crazy time someone goes to Matthew twenty-four and makes crazy claims. So let's just be, I'm gonna break this down almost like in an elementary way, okay? What do we have? We have Jesus literally on the earth. Okay, now that that makes it, that gives us a time period, right? If we say Jesus dies in, say, 33 A.D., this is sometime before 33 A.D., Jesus is walking on the earth. He's walking on the earth. He departs from the temple. That is the temple that was standing when Jesus was on the earth. This is, He's not walking out of a future temple. He's not referring to a future temple. He's speaking about the temple that was right there on earth. So Jesus is on earth. Sometime before 33 AD, he's walking out of the temple that was standing when Jesus was walking on the earth before 33 AD, all right? So, so we know exactly what's going on here. His disciples come to him for, to, to show him the buildings of the temple. So he walks out and the, and the disciples run to him and they're like, look, look at these buildings. Look, Look at this, look at this thing. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all of these things? Look. And so Jesus responds back to them. Look at all of this. Yeah, you're right. Look at all of it. Look at how how amazing it is. Verily, verily, I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He's like, right, look at all the buildings. All of this is gonna be destroyed. Now, this is very important. He's not referring to a future temple. He's referring to that temple. And here here ladies and gentlemen this is this is not this is not some secret you don't have to go to bible college to figure this out you don't need a seminary education you don't need greek you don't need hebrew you don't need latin you don't need aramaic all you need to know is a little basic history we know exactly when that temple was destroyed 70 AD this is sometime before 33 AD 70 AD, that temple is going to be destroyed. That's what they're at. That's what Jesus tells them. All these buildings, they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be brought down. All right, now look what happens here, right? Verse three, and and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, so he tells them this, and it appears that they're somewhat shocked by it. And you would have to... uh, you would have to see that temple represents like the presence of God. That temple, I mean, that temple means God's with them. That means God's right there. I mean, that, that that's connected to everything. Their, their worship, the sacrifice, sacrificial system, the priestly line, it's connected to everything. So when they, when they hear that it's all going to be destroyed, you can almost imagine like, oh, <gasps> Like, whoa, wait, what? Like that, that's, that's gotta be like the most disturbing, frightening news that they could hear. So at some point, Jesus is sitting upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples come to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, a lot of people will try to break this down. And go, okay. So they're asking, they're asking about, so when is this going to be destroyed? When is going to be basically the uh the end of the world? When are you going to return? And I think that it it's it's at least very plausible for them to just they're grouping all of that together because they're thinking if, if the temple's going to be destroyed, that's going to be the end. That's going to be the end of everything. I mean, like, what what that that you got to explain this to us. Like they're 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 somewhat confused the whole temple's going to be destroyed well wait a minute if they're hoping that he's the jewish messiah well if he's the jewish messiah why is the temple going to be destroyed like there's probably a lot there they're trying to process and try to figure out. So you, some people like will try to break down their question. Like they're asking this and they're asking, so when is this going to happen? And they, like almost like that they've got and an, they're, they're biblical experts on biblical prophecy and theology. Remember, they're, they're, the disciples are constantly confused by so many things. So you can't look at their question like they're breaking it down. So or, when is this going to happen? They, they're grouping it all together and their minds. The destruction of that temple is the end of everything. So like, they're, they're, when is it going to happen? How do we understand this? And Jesus answered and said unto them. This is Matthew 24, verse 4. Now, at this point, any even someone with basic reading comprehension skills can figure out they want to know when that temple is going to be destroyed. And Jesus now is going to provide them signs pointing to the destruction of that temple. There's no way to get around. That's exactly how you have to understand this first and foremost. Anything else you do with this chapter can't be done until you first apply the words to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Anything that goes beyond that, you have to have some clear Textual reasons for jumping, right? And I know what people, people will say, you don't understand biblical prophecy. You're right. I've never taken a course on biblical prophecy. You're right. I don't understand it. It drives me crazy when people always say that just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they don't understand. That's such an arrogant thing to say. Well, you just don't understand biblical prophecy or maybe maybe we disagree on biblical prophecy and it doesn't come from a lack of understanding. It comes from maybe a different hermeneutic. It comes from maybe a different approach. Maybe instead of accusing someone of not knowing, you take a deep breath and go, I wonder why they see it differently. So what a lot of people do is like, well, you don't understand. In biblical prophecy, it can have a, a, a you know, a near fulfillment and then a future fulfillment. Well, that may be true, but you got to have something in the text to determine which part is the near part and which part is the far in the future part. You can't just artificially go, well, it can be both. It can, it can refer to something in the near future and it can refer to something in the far future. Well, that's just a generic principle you're just throwing upon the text. The text has to kind of say, Okay, I think that's referring to the near future. Whoa, that doesn't fit. That right there does not fit because we know what happened. That has to be future. You've got to let the text tell you that. So let's go see what we, so we start off with clearly, this is, he's telling them what's going to lead up to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. So the first thing he starts off with is like, okay, I want you to listen to me carefully because I don't want you to be deceived. Now, it's just amazing that Jesus starts Matthew 24, his, his explanation off with, hey, take heed so, so that no man deceive you. And since he told everyone, hey, take heed so that no man will deceive you in Matthew 24, Matthew tw- 24 has been used, in my estimation, to deceive people continually or to sell books, okay, or to, or to get some kind of notoriety for, for being sensational. How about we listen to Jesus and let's not be deceived by people misusing Matthew 24. So what's going to happen here? Verse 4. All right, that was verse 4. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Well, there were many people, false Christs, false people claiming to be Christ that occurred after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension at 70 A.D. There were different people coming to to believe the Messiah, to be Jesus. These things were occurring between 33 and 70. So that can clearly refer to something that's already happened in our history, but was near future for them. Verse 6, And you shall hear of wars, rumors of war, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Well, there were wars and rumors of war between 33 A.D. and 70 A.D., I mean you 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 see that you can you can read about uh, those those things that were happening for nation shall rise against nation kingdom against kingdom all of those things were happening between 33 and 70 AD there shall be famine pestilence earthquakes and diverse places historical records tell us about famines and earthquakes that happened between 33 AD and 70 AD so all of that's been laid out that that's all been that's all been, that's all occurred. I mean, and, and those things have occurred over and over. And over. I mean, again, how can any of those, like to say that that somehow proves Jesus is about to return today. You see how meaningless that is? I mean, just think about this, right? Um, They'll there shall come in my name. There, there's gonna be many who come in my name saying, I am Christ. Well, guess what? That's been happening <laughs> since, since, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, it's been going on forever. So when when another false prophet comes up, when another person claims to be Christ shows up, it doesn't mean that the end is getting ready to happen because that's been going on continually throughout history. It won't be the first time? David Koresh, basically claiming to be Jesus. And Waco, the Prince Davidians. Then the thing, they burned, and the craziness, that happened right here in Texas. That was in the 1990s. I remember when that happened. People were like, oh, Matthew 24. Matthew, And here we are in 2022. All right, so again, the, it, it, when you point to these things, you got to realize these things have been going on throughout history. And then uh, obviously wars and rumors of wars. You You do a Google search and tell me how many wars, notable wars have taken place since, say, 70 A.D. How many wars have there been in the world since 70 A.D.? The number will be like it'll be crazy. There's always some kind of war, skirmish, armed conf- conflict, uh, armed uprising happening somewhere. So at that point, that's that doesn't be, that that doesn't mean anything anymore. It's been going on for for uh, for, since seventy A.D. Um, let's see here. For nation shall rise against nation. That's been going on, kingdom against kingdom. And there should be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Those things have been going on continually since 70 AD. I mean, count how many earthquakes have there been since 70 AD. The number would be staggering. How many famines? How many plagues? All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Well, read the book of Acts. The Christians start being persecuted. The Christians start being killed. That that happened clearly between 33 AD and 70 AD. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Paul warns of false prophets and false teachers in the book of Acts. And because iniquity shall bound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, uh, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now, verse 14 is where things get interesting. Now you have a textual place where you go, okay, wait a minute. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world a question would arise. Was the gospel preached to all the known world between 33 AD and say 69 AD? And if we can say, oh, now we have to look at all Paul's missionary journeys. We'd have to try to see the spread of Christianity between 33 and 69 AD. And if you can find some clear place where the world was known, and they did not take the gospel to those locations before 70 A.D., then you know clearly verse 14 is not referencing 70 A.D. Now you may have a textual basis for saying, mm, I think we have a jump here. I think now this is jumping to something else. This is jumping to a different end. This is not the end of the temple and of basically Judaism. This is the end of something else. In verse 14, if you can clearly demonstrate that gospel wasn't taken to all the known world at that time, And I think you could probably demonstrate. I don't think Paul made it to every part of the known world by 69 AD. I don't think the gospel spread that far by 69. It spread, but I don't think it'd gone that far. And the minute you can prove that, now you've got a textual basis going, okay. But all of that previous stuff, we've got enough historical records to go. All of that happened prior to. So clearly that was all pointing to the destruction of the temple. And at this point, even if you say, well, and has a future implication, it it becomes absolutely meaningless because all of those things have happened so many times. Then verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, Let him understand. Now, verse 15, the abomination of desolation. What is that referring to? Does that refer to what happened in 70 AD? Does this refer to something that happens prior to 70 AD? Some say, no, this refers to something that's going to happen in the future. If verse 14 is a major jumping point, then maybe this does refer to something speaking in the future. Now, this is, he's going to stand in the holy place. That would mean if verse 15 is something future, well, we, you have to have another temple because the t- the temple mentioned prior is going to be destroyed, was destroyed in 70 AD. So what do we do with verse 15? Now we have to have some discussions. You got to figure that out. Can you say verse 15 was fulfilled in 70 AD? If you can, and if you can somehow get verse 14 fulfilled in 70 AD, then at this point, you have no reason to even look to the future at this point. Now, when this happens, let him that be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now, a lot of that could clearly apply to, hey, you better get as far away from Jerusalem as you possibly can. You better get away from the area because it's going to be surrounded and you can read Josephus' account of what happened in 70 AD and I mean, people were starving and I mean, it was just a horrific story of the siege of Jerusalem um, at that time. So could all of that fit 70 AD? And it really, this to me really fits 70 AD, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. See, that, that, that's language that would apply to the people living in Jerusalem prior to 70 A.D. That seems very much language connected to that time period. It seems to have no reference to, well, 20, well, I mean, like, are we going to reestablish Sabbath laws all of a sudden? Like, like, I mean, th- that the language fits that time period. And accept those, and and then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Now, verse 21 to me is a key text of of, of this section because it says you're going to now experience great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, so this time, no, nor ever shall be. Something's going to happen. Verse 21 explains that something's going to happen that's far greater than anything that anyone has ever seen. That to me goes way beyond the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. because the temple had been destroyed previously. If you go back to the Old Testament, so 70 A.D. cannot be the worst tribulation that the world is ever going to see. There's been, I would say, there's been things that have happened that probably even worse than 70 A.D. So it's almost six thirty. I'm going to stop right here. I know what you're saying. No, don't stop. I am. Remember, we're going to be working on this in a couple of weeks. I want you to just start thinking about Matthew 24 in this way. I want you to look at what can can be fulfilled in 70 AD and then look for the part that may point to the future. And those things that clearly can be applied to 70 AD, leave them there and don't pull from those and try to apply it to something you see on the news. All of those things that people pull, pull from Matthew 24, those things have been going on over and over and over. Like, how can they be a sign anymore? They just they continually happen. No, look for it in the text because the argument is that, well, some of this applies to 70 A.D. and some of this applies to the future. Fine. Find in the text where you have to argue it jumped. Clearly it jumped to something future because it no longer that no longer makes any sense in light of 70 A.D. Once you find that, then go from there forward and say, that all applies to 70 AD. That, or that all, or or once you find the jump, then everything that comes before the jump, you say, that applies to 70 AD. Everything after the jump, then you say, this is what we look to for the future. But all of those things that appear at the beginning of Matthew 24, I don't know how they could be a sign anymore since they can, I mean, when, when is there not some kind of military conflict or war going on on this planet? There's always something. Going on. When, when is there not a famine, a plague, an earthquake? There's always, these things are constantly occurring. And they've been occurring. So at some point, the signs become meaningless. And that's why the world looks at us and just goes, you people are out of your mind. We got to do better. We've got to be better at handling the text so that the world can at least understand the text. We can, we I don't, I don't know what kind of nonsense people do with Matthew 24, but it, it, at some point it just becomes ridiculous. If whatever, where, wherever you find, I, and I'm leaving it on you, wherever you figure out that jump is, then by all means use it. I would, I would highly recommend, I don't have the name of the book right here in front of me. There is a book. I think it's in the church library. I think it's in my church library. I don't want to leave the microphone and go get it. But we will be talking about it. But it it goes through basically Matthew 24 and tries to apply all of it to 70 AD. Now I may not agree, I don't agree necessarily with them claiming all of it was fulfilled in 70 AD. I strongly disagree with that. If you don't, if if it comes to eschatology, just so that you know, there's a school of taught, there's a school of thought that says but, but almost all biblical prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD, that it's all been fulfilled, right? It's preterist preterism. That the idea of the, the preterist believes that most biblical prophecy has already been fulfilled. I don't always agree with everything they say. I appreciate though them challenging the church to get us to stop and before we immediately run to a future fulfillment, we stop and ask ourselves: Has this been fulfilled in history? And if it has been, then by all, boy, all by by any honest. Approach to hermeneutics, we should stop and go, Well, there it was fulfilled right there. Don't look for a future. It was fulfilled. But we've got to do better with Matthew 24. It's just I'm so tired of hearing anything happens. Any Matthew 24. Matthew, oh my, just stop. Every time there's an earthquake, Matthew 24, anything happens. When uh when everything was going on in certain countries and they were having all of the massive protests. People people were quoting Matthew 24. I mean, I, I, Matthew 24 gets quoted constantly. And it just at some point, it just makes us look absolutely ridiculous. But I've got other news articles. Now they're claiming uh, there's something that's going to happen with wheat. Let me see. Do I have the news article really quick? There's so many of these. I've been saving them uh, on my iPad in my notes section. Let's see here. That's, that's the wrong one. Let me see if I can find it. Um, let's see here. Yeah, Russia Ukraine war could bring biblical biblical event as global wheat supply disrupted. So, now now something's going. I mean, every day it's something. This fulfills it. This fulfills biblical prophecy. Now, I do believe Jesus will return. And I'm willing to look at any passage and say, okay, how does that fulfill biblical prophecy? But you know what? I've also seen my whole Christian life. Hey, this is it. This is Phil's biblical prophecy. Jesus is going to return. And guess what happens? A year later, two years later, everybody forgot about it and moved on. Nobody cares. Nobody ever goes, well, man, we got that wrong. Nobody ever stops in the church and goes, we need to apologize for looking really stupid. No, 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 no. We don't want to apologize and say we look stupid because we want to be ready to sell some more books the next time the next big thing happens. So there you have it, okay? Yeah, a day wage for a loaf of bread. Yeah, that may, be, uh, that, that, uh, that may be where they're going in that news article. I'd have to look. Someone just said a day's wage for a, a loaf of bread. Yeah, they probably are gonna go there. And, and look, there's some crazy things that's going to happen possibly with, with uh, the economy. I mean, there, there are some serious things that are going on. Does it fulfill that specific biblical prophecy? Y- you gotta go find the context. We gotta go figure out what's going on. And they have to go back and look at, you know, um, a day's wage for a day, uh, a loaf of bread. What was happening during the Great Depression? Like, then you have to ask, has it happened before? If it's happened before, then why wasn't that the fulfillment? I I mean, like so many things that these, so many things that people point to, you're like, well, what about that point in church, in in American history or world history? What about that? What about that? And you're like, it's, these things have happened 50 times. (laughs) So so it's been fulfilled 50 times. No, 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 that doesn't matter. It matters now. Well, you you told me it mattered then, and you told me it mattered before, and I bought your DVD set, and I bought your your prophecy study Bible because it was all going to come, and here I am in 2022. It it creates an atmosphere where people mock our approach. How about let's be a little bit more careful, all right? Could it be future and past? Okay, someone just asked, could it be future and past? I, again, here, here's what I would say. Wh- whenever you find a prophecy, when you find a prophecy, um, you have to have something in the text that says, okay, that part was past, that future." you got to find something in the text that identifies, well, that's got to have a future implication. That's got to have a future implication. In Matthew 24, some of those things, war, plague, nation, earthquake, those things have happened so Hundreds of thousands of times since 70 AD, that how could you even say they have a future implication because they've happened over and 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 over. At some point, the sign becomes meaningless. So in the Matthew 24 case, what I would say is find the part in Matthew 24 and go that. That fits 70 AD because all of those things happened right up to 70 AD and it was only between 33 and 70. So it was a short amount of time. So those signs would have been significant in that short period of time. Then find in the text where you're like, wait a minute, I think it just jumped. Once it jumps, then don't go back to the things that clearly pointed to 70 AD and apply them to the future. Apply that part to 70 AD and look for the future part and apply that to the future. If a verse has a future and a past and future application, it, it's it got to mean something. In other words, there'll be rumors of war. Okay, what is, how is that a sign for the future considering that sign has occurred a billion times since 70 AD? It's lost any significance by now. It would have had significance between 33 and 70 because there was a short period of time there. Then those things would have been like, uh-oh, Jesus said these things were going to happen and here we go and now we start seeing we start seeing the armies marching. We start seeing them coming towards Jerusalem, and then they were surrounded. I mean, I think things were already going around between, I think, 67. I'd have to go read Josephus and, and go back and look at the historical record. But there would have been clear signs that it was coming. But by now, those signs, are they're meaningless now, just because of the sheer number of times they've occurred. How many? I mean, literally, just look up how many wars have been uh, that has occurred on the earth. Okay, uh, how many wars has has occurred on the earth? You, you can probably Google it and get an estimated number. All right, you uh, see, uh, I, I'm just going to see really quick. I got to hurry because people are going to pull up in the parking lot. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick Google search just to see if there's an estimated number. Okay, you see how many wars have there been? Okay, uh, Okay. so just immediately, the first thing that shows up, currently there are 102 wars on this list, three of which are ongoing, okay? Then a list of wars, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, we, uh, we can go all the way back to the Trojan War, 1300 to 1200 BC. Uh, we can go to the first uh, Mes- Mesnian War, 800 to 700 BC. I mean, we, I mean, these are all the B.C. wars. And then we can jump up to, see, after. Uh, then we get to the common era, the, the Gallic Wars, uh, the Jensen-Noran Jins- Wars, the Norman Conquest, the Crusades, uh, the Barons' War, Hundred-Year War, War of the Eight Saints, Hundred Years' War, Thirteen-Year War, War of the Roses, uh, Counts' War. Uh, I mean, we can go on and on and on. There's been war, war, war. In um, 1933, bread was $3 a loaf, uh, $68 by today's money value. See, there you have it. See, so some of these have already been fulfilled. That's that's makes them, well, they were fulfilled there. Well, no, it had a, it, it, what, what, what was it pointing to then? 1933, what was it pointing to? Well, Jesus was getting close to return. It's, tw- it's 2022. <laughs> At some point, it just starts making us look foolish. So find in the text, What may have a past fulfillment and then look for something that you can go, well, clearly none of that's been fulfilled. What hasn't been fulfilled would be future. What has been fulfilled would be past. That's the way I'm going to approach it. Well, that's, if I can point to something, go right there, right there. Now, maybe it has some future, but it's going to be very hard for me, especially if it's something that's happened over and over and over and over and over again. Well, okay, it points to the future. It could be pointing to, about something that's going to happen tomorrow, it doesn't mean Jesus is any closer to returning. So that's that's the way I look at it. Look for what hasn't been fulfilled. If it's already been fulfilled and been fulfilled 500 times, <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm going to be looking for some few, oh, here we go. We It would be like, uh, if, if someone breathes, Jesus is about to return. Well, people have been breathing a lot. So I, I don't know if I can really look for that as a clear sign that Jesus is about to return. That's what I would say. All right, but we'll look at Matthew 24 in greater detail. We've talked about it before. I've taught the, taught the entire preterist view of Matthew 24. We went through Matthew 24 a long time ago, and we tried to apply every, we tried to find a fulfillment of every verse in 70 AD. We, 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 we made it pretty far, and there were some that we just did not think would work. So we could not adopt a full preterist view but we definitely were appreciative that the Preterists made us attempt to do that, all right? But I have to stop at 6.40, and I, I'm i nowhere ready for seven o'clock. So I'm gonna stop there. You can email me your disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com, but you may wanna just wait until we cover Matthew 24 so that you really have something to complain about, all right? Okay, there we go. And you can look up all the wars. It's a long list here. Wow, it is a lot. If you just look from 1900 to 2000, I mean, that's insane number of wars that, The number of wars, I mean, like war doesn't, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna save that page right here. I'm gonna save this page because uh, we're gonna definitely need that when we cover Matthew 24. All right, I gotta get ready, everyone. Uh, Thanks for listening. And we'll be live here sometime after seven. God bless.